You are listening to The Mallory Report, a live radio show that ventures into the mysteries of life, as well as the hot topics of the day, either political or business. The only thing, if I can say, is I don't talk politics, so please don't put me in that position. Uh, Dave, I'm not going to put you in that position because, you know what, I've got a bunch of things. I've got They're all media-related, I guess, TV, radio. Sure. Um, what all that fun stuff so we'll get there my guest tonight is dave schrader you just heard him uh dave how, how are you doing tonight first and foremost i'm doing me- great doing great thanks for asking so you're here to talk about the holster files so i've got to start there because if i if i don't start there i'll be being <laughs> this disloyal to why you're here and I, right. I, I i appreciate that so um second season um so for, okay, let's, let's, I guess let's rewind the tape way back. For the people out there who live under a rock and don't know who Hans Holzer was, can you give me a few seconds about him and then we'll work going forward from there? Yeah, Dr. Hans Holzer was a paranormal investigator. Uh, really, he kind of coined the phrase ghost hunter and the other side. And he was he really helped to bring it to the forefront and make it water cooler talk instead of hushed tones and whispers of people being crazy he he let people know that it was okay to have these kind of experiences and talk about them and he wrote over 140 books i believe it is uh starred on many different tv shows radio shows and the like and really kind of brought it to the foreground and we get a chance to reopen his investigations 10 years after he passed away last year we were given uh, given opportunities to go back in and examine those original case files that are 60 50 40 30 years old and go back and see what the story tells us now dave i keep promising people i'm gonna write my first book and you just told me hans wrote 140 um i don't know how to deal with that i'm sorry yeah i know it's uh <laughs> that guy's an overachiever <laughs> maybe i'll just say he wrote one for me and call it a day uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Richard Eastup uh, might be on his heels, though. Oh, man, that's I, I. Like I said, I, I can't. I've, well, I've been doing this show for almost ten years, and I've been promising ever since I started it to do one. Of course, the bad Dave, you'll appreciate this. The joke is, I need a ghostwriter. Paranormal. Boom! boom. Hi, yeah. yeah. So, um, okay, so you got into. So, bring me up to speed on how this all came together, though, because I mean, obviously, he passed ten years ago. So, what made this happen now? Well, my understanding is that uh, Alexander had been working with this production company for quite a while on some different ideas, maybe even a scripted TV series like The X-Files. And then reality just kept knocking on the door, and it seemed like a perfect fit. It's, you know, uh, when they originally started, I don't think the the Warrens movies were as popular as they are now. Uh, So thankfully, the the shift came to reality and then they spent the last four years trying to shape a reality show and what would they do? How would they be different? And really the star of the show or the files to get, to go back in, this guy kept copious notes. He recorded everything. He filmed and photographed everything he possibly could. So we have this great in-depth presentation of each case that we can go in and examine and see, you know, he never believed a case was truly closed. We might, end a chapter of that case but what comes next or what is there still to be revealed that might be haunting the location before the spirits he came into contact with so we get to go back in and and uh, re-examine all these cases with a fresh set of eyes in the 21st century new technology he didn't have available to him uh new new methods of research that he didn't have available to him and go even further in his work than he was able to do yeah i, I, I say Megan, it's remarkable to have that detailed notes and all of that stuff. I mean, I know my my notes aren't that great. I don't think anybody any no. There's no going to be Mallard files here, and, <laughs> and <laughs> not with that attitude. <laughs> well, not with my note taking, Dave. Uh, if if anybody could read it, maybe it'll be like the answer. You know, trying to figure out what the hieroglyphics stood for. Uh, and maybe is your, for, is your handwriting that between a serial killer and a doctor? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, I, I, I'm not going to go serial killer because I, I haven't, I don't know that much, but I did. <laughs> I went, we were at the doctor's office the other day and the doctor looked at my writing and went, that's bad. So there's that oh. for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So now we've kind of got the backstory. So I know uh, Shane Pittman and, um, oh boy, I should have wrote Cindy, this down. Earlier. Cindy Kaza. Yeah. And you. Is our medium. Shane Pittman and myself are the 
uh, on the floor investigative team, uh, Alexandra Holzer, who has been working with these files, researching in them, and uh, really is very proficient in them because, of course, her father used to talk to her about these cases. She's kind of that voice at the beginning of every episode where we sit down with her and Gabe Roth, our researcher, to examine a case file and see if it's worthy of going out to examine. So, in this process, I'm sure you've got to go to a lot of unique places. And I don't. And I know this. This is the radio show question, right? Which who's been your favorite guest? I'm not going to ask you to do that. I know better than that because I've been asked that question. And it's a nightmare. But if you had to, I mean, pick one that would be the prime example of why it's important to do this this show and get back into these files. Maybe that's a better question. I think uh, you know the episode that uh, just aired number four with the Franklin Castle. Uh, the name of the the episode is Final Word. I think that's a perfect example where, you know, Dr. Holzer went in off of the information that he was given by the family that lived at the location at the time, and he did his own research and just couldn't find any corroborating evidence. He investigated two times and went back for a third time because his technology kept failing, his recorders, uh, everything just wasn't working right. So he went back with a medium and the owner threw him out. And it was a, this radical change of why she had invited him. And then all of a sudden she throws him out. And, you know, something we didn't air on the program, but talked about was, uh, and, and Dee Romano, the daughter admitted this is probably what happened is the mother used to be, um, for lack of a better term, possessed by the female spirit of the house. And she said she could always tell when that took place because her mom would be really mean and strict all of a sudden. Um, and she believed that that was uh, the the former resident's uh, spirit and personality taking over. And I said, well, isn't that interesting? Because the first two times Hans came here, he came without a medium. The third time he returned with a medium to try to channel that spirit. And she did not seem to like it. She threw him out pretty quickly. And, uh, and Di Romano agreed. Yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. So it was pretty interesting to hear that. But we got a chance to reexamine that case and put an answer to why Hans was asked to leave, to understand what type of spirits were taking place there, and hopefully put right the story. Because for centuries, you know, for not centuries, but for decades, um, many false stories have been perpetrated uh, about that home and about the family that lived there, and uh, or perpetuated, I should say, not perpetrated, but uh, many many false stories were uh, perpetrated from there, and. And it's good to go in and try to clear the name and show that there is no information to back or prove any of these claims. As a matter of fact, we can track when these claims suddenly appeared. And it's when people who started uh, using the location for tours and other things took it over. It seems pretty interesting that at that point, somebody's able to uncover these crazy mysteries. Um, so we're glad that we were able to go back in and, and give the proper answers to what really took place with this family and why they were dealing with the issues that they were dealing with. Yeah, so I, I want to follow up on a point that you kind of, I don't want to say brushed over, but I think it's worth noting because of reality TV has its own set of baggage, right? I think we could, I think you could definitely agree to that. Sure. So how do you walk that line between being what the network's looking for and being true to what you're looking for. I'll give credit where credit is due. The production company we work with, uh, Painless Television, are very good at what they do. And they, they've been producing num uh, numerous TV shows over the years. And they've done Dead Files now for, I think, 14 seasons on, on uh, travel. Travel likes uh, Painless and trusts them. And... You know, they want ghosts all the time. They want demonic and spooky and scary, but they also understand that our show isn't that. We're not specifically looking for the demon of the week. We're trying to make sense of these paranormal moments and what is taking place, trying to put the pieces together. Like, uh, I, I feel our show is a very good mixture of true crime and the paranormal. And we're trying to lock the pieces in place to make sense of the case. And that's what we've come up with. So they don't put pressure on us to perform any way or do anything. If Cindy cannot connect to something in the home, we don't fabricate it. That's what happens. She just doesn't connect. If we can't connect with a piece of equipment, which I've had happen, there's been places where 
we go in and I feel like, boy, nothing happened. And we have a great example of that coming up this season. Um, I was really bummed out. I thought, man, I, this place is so active for so many people, but nothing happening. And then when we reviewed the evidence, something was happening. I just wasn't aware of it. And it was out of my range. And sure enough, we captured some pretty cool activity. So, you know, we keep control of the evidence. So as soon as we get done with the investigation, Shane takes it and goes over it, make sure that it's all exactly as it was taken out of the cameras and recorders. Nothing has been manipulated or altered. And we're very proud to be a part of the show and present the facts the way we find them. And so far, the network has really enjoyed it because they like that we're good storytellers and that we take good care of what we do. So, Dave, I'm going to give you the the fun part of this this interview. Well, one of the fun parts because you you know. Well, God, it's about time. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Give me the it's Travel Channel win where all that fun stuff because you know Thursday night for you Thursday nights on the Travel Channel. It's 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, 9 p.m. Central. And then right afterwards, right after the live show uh, at 10 p.m. Um, Central, 11 p.m. Eastern, if you go over to my uh, YouTube page at Darkness Radio or to my Facebook page at Darkness Radio Dave, uh, I do a live video stream called uh, The After Show. It's the uh, Holzer's Ghosts After Show, where I have a few special guests that come on and talk over the case that we just showed on TV. We'll go a little deeper into the story reveal a few other things that maybe didn't make the final cut. Because you have to remember, Jim, we film five days, 12 to 14 hours a day. All of that gets cut down to 42 minutes. I'm so out of, I'm out of fingers, but five times 10 is Yeah, 50. that's a lot of, a lot of hours. Because <laughs> even, even at 50, that's less than a minute per hour. Yeah, so we've got so much that has to be cut out and, and looked at. And there are things that bum us out that we lose. And But again, like our producers always say, what would you have removed from this episode to, to share that piece of information or evidence? And you're, you're right. You're like, it's such a, a carefully built Jenga tower that if you remove one part, it kind of affects the entire storytelling. So we stick with, you know, the, the main thrust of the investigation, what is really the most compelling and important parts of the story. It doesn't mean we can't go back and re-examine those cases for the other things that happened. Yeah, and that's the the fun part of this all, right? Like, it's I'm glad there's stuff that you're you're upset that isn't in there, right? Because it could be the other way where I, you're trying to build in stuff just to have stuff. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely psyched that there's extra stuff that doesn't make it. That's <laughs> how good everything is going. So we are, uh, you know, looking forward to moving forward. We could probably do an easy 15 seasons without really uh, reproducing what we're doing and then probably another five by going back and reexamining the cases we've already done to answer some questions that we were left with uh, after the first visit. Well, I, I, here's hoping for you, Dave. I mean, I know that the market is, is changing and evolving and all this other stuff, and you're right. I think it does fall into the two pair, the two genres that make it interesting. So... Well, that's that's the hopes. I'm hoping that we see, you know, I'd like to see 10 seasons with this because we do have so many great stories to tell. And Germantown Runner just popped it up in the chat room, so I'm going to ask it right now. I'm going to go Ron Burgundy on it. Okay. So watch out. Um, is there a saturation point for paranormal TV and content, or is there endless possibilities? <laughs> Listen, we've been thinking that for 15 years, right? Uh, well, it's now 17 years. If you want to even go back 20 years with Most Haunted, um, you know, Most Haunted kind of kicked off the genre, and then there was Dead Famous over in England, and then, you know, the Ghost Hunters over here, and then Paranormal State, and Ghost Adventures, and uh, a plethora of other shows. The cream of the crop rises to the top, and, you know, the ones that don't make it or, or aren't compelling fall to the wayside. So I think as long as there's good storytelling to be told, and interesting evidence to share, and fun characters to be around it'll it'll continue for a good long time this i I don't think we're going to be able to put this genie back in the bottle and while we're asking paranormal questions i got a question from paranormal heart cat waves i got oh there it is there's the camera waves hello (laughs) you think i've been doing this the youtube thing for a while now you think i'd know where the camera is my studio but um (laughs) anyways if if dave could have one piece of paranormal investigative equipment what would it be and why 
I'm sorry, if I could do what? Invent one piece of equipment for investigations, what would it be and why? Mm. Boy, that's – I don't know. There's already so many great uh, examples of tools out there. You know, I guess I just wish I could come up with one that was a little bit more concise and could really lock in on – different uh visual spectrums without you know you, you got to kind of figure if the spirits really do exist in a in a in a uv or ir environment and you bask the room are you bleaching them out making it harder for them to be seen because now you're you're actually loading the area with the same kind of light so it might not make them as noticeable i don't know i i'd just love to be able to create a, a camera that allows you to slowly dial in each each level that makes it translatable so that your eyes can see it and translate it. And when you find the right frequency, for lack of a better term, you you find the ghost channel. And that would be something I'd, I'd love to be a part of. Next question uh, from Brian Bowden. He wants to know, we've seen a lot of ghost and UFO shows. What should be the next topic of focus? I would love to see, in all honesty, and I'm going to be you know totally rude about this, I want to do a buddy show with Jeff Belanger where the two of us hop in a car and just go legend tripping across the uh, United States where we're not uh, we're not held down to just ghosts or UFOs or Bigfoot. We can investigate all the strange claims that we come upon because I think it's time people can accept some humor with the supernatural because truthfully, I like when you you that that's why I think shows like Scream and even Nightmare on Elm Street worked so well for so long because there's these elements where you're you're taken off the edge of your seat and you're allowed to relax and breathe and then boom you're right, right back into the fear factor and that makes it even more disturbing because when you're in that edge of your seat the whole time and you don't get a chance to breathe and you don't get a chance to to you know relax again it starts to desensitize the viewer, I think. So I would love to just be Jeff Belanger and Dave Schrader and hit the road and have our scary moments and have our funny moments and, you know, the occasional breaking of the fourth wall by the slow eye roll to the camera as you talk to that unique individual that you can tell has probably sniffed one too many paint fumes as they're telling you their story. Uh, I, You know, I just think that that would be great. I think, you know, kind of mixing the paranormal and real people genre together and throwing us out there to see what we can uh, what we can find. And there's a lot of things. I'm, I'm you know, like uh, thinking about Mothman and the Jersey Devil. I mean, like there, you could do a cross the country tour without any problems. Oh, without a doubt, you could get out there and there, you just I, you know, we could have so many different topics. And here's the fun thing: in every town you hear of, there's some haunted legend that's very famous. But sometimes when you go in and you start kicking rocks around, which is what happened for me at some of these locations, they'll tell me, yeah, 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 you think that place is crazy. You should go check out this. And suddenly I'm on a new pathway and I'm connecting with somebody on a story I didn't see coming. And that's exciting to me. I would love more of those moments. And then you find a new story and a new legend that you can uncover and share with the people. And you know, I think that's uh, that's still something waiting to be told. Yeah, the I, problem I is he wants it. TV wants it. You know, they want to know where it's coming from. They want to know where you're going and what you're going to be doing. Um, and you know, they want kind of the story, not not like mapped out in the sense of what's going to happen to them. How are they going to do this? But they don't like to fly by the seat of their pants. Having two guys just go out on the road and, and explore what happens, I think it's going to be something that we have to document, pay for ourselves, cut it, and then supply it and give them a chance to see a finished product. Uh, and, and that would be the kind of show I would love to be a part of. Makes complete sense to me. Um, I'm trying to read. That's not good. What production challenges has the show faced due to the, vi the virus? Well, right now... Um, you know, the toughest thing was being shut down halfway through the season. We had filmed like five episodes and it, uh, you know, it, you suddenly get sent home and you're in this uh, place of fear because at the point that we were out there, you know, we had just come off filming two back-to-back -back episodes in New York City and we were staying in Chinatown 
And then at the time, mind you, I'm, I'm making it clear, at the time, it was the China flu, right? It was this Wuhan flu. And you're, you're like, wait, wait a minute, we're in Chinatown. And New York is this hotbed. And you start having this fear. And then, oh, my gosh, they might be closing down state borders. And travel may be shut down. And so that was, that was really kind of much scarier than anything paranormal that was going on. Um, and then going home for three months in just the uncertainty of not knowing. But then when they put together a plan... And they set about working on a plan right away so that when restrictions lifted and we could kind of go back out into the world, we'd be ready for it. And they took our information, they took our thoughts and concerns and made sure to make it work. And uh, our production company and Discovery Networks and Travel Channel were very obliging to make sure that we all felt safe. They kept in contact with us all the time. Are, Are you okay? Do you feel everything safe on set? Are you happy with the way things are going? Do you want to go home? They were very good about that, and so it worked out well, and we were tested constantly. So that was really the only challenge. Uh, you know, on set, you really couldn't tell, and then we were all kept apart. That was the only bummer, because Shane and I, you know, we usually keep away from Cindy anyway, because we don't want to taint her and by accident slip up and talk about part of the case in front of her. So we've always just kind of, the two of us have gone out and done things together, and in this uh, instance, we... Went, we went on set, we filmed, we all went back to our hotel rooms until we were called back on set. So there was a lot of downtime. So for the listeners out there, I'm, I'm going to shift gears, but if we need to, we could come back to the Holzer Files and the Paranormal. But I, I, I've got Darkness Dave from Darkness Radio here, and I've got some questions. Fire away, brother. Calm down, everybody. Um, when did you start, When did you take, take me, let's talk radio for a minute. When did you start doing the original show, way back... January 1st, 2006, we launched uh, (laughs) Darkness Radio. So that was kind of a big deal. Uh, January 1st, 2006. How did you, I mean, how did you get that going? Because, I mean, obviously Coast was a thing at that point, but this was pre all, most of this television stuff. So how did that all come together? (laughs) Well, (laughs) kind of as a weird aside, I, um, I had, had done college radio with Tim. And he stayed in radio because he was a single guy with no kids and he could live off of radio money. I was a dad and uh, had to, to make a real living to survive. So we stayed good, close friends. And, you know, I moved to Minnesota and we lived minutes away from each other. And he was working for a radio station in um, 2005 that he was kind of working as a general manager for and said, hey, Sunday nights, we've got uh, we've got an hour to kill. Sunday nights, 11 to midnight. And I go, cool. He goes, you want to do a show together? I'm like, yeah, what kind of show? I said, how about if we do paranormal? It's the perfect time slot for it. Coast to coast is really the only other show out there doing this. And, you know, he thought for a second, he's like, well, if you feel we could do something like that, I'll take it to the, to the station manager. And I, I said, let me see if I can book some guests. And I reached out and my first guest was Jason Hawes, then Rosemary Ellen Guiley, then John Zaffis. And, and then a local author who wrote about a haunted home right in Minnesota. So suddenly they were willing to open up the doors and, and give us a shot. And we launched on January 1st, 2006. We went for an hour every Sunday night. After, I think, a month, we got pushed to two hours. And we stayed there for two years and then moved over to a bigger radio station, a 100,000-watt FM station. And we moved around on that uh from weekends to Monday through Friday, 11 to midnight, to Monday through Friday, 10 to midnight, to Monday through Friday, 9 to midnight. <laughs> I said if we'd have stayed there another five, six years, we'd be on 12 hours a day. But uh, that's not the way it worked out. And then we jumped over to podcast, strictly podcasting, because it was just better money. And uh, we've been active now. This January 1st will be 15 years, our 15th anniversary. So 16 seasons of the show, 15 years being on the air. Yeah, I was going to say, what's, we'll, get, we'll get to the podcasting end of it here at some point, but um, little known fact about Dave Schrader, he almost ended this show inadvertently. My, how, uh, <laughs> Dave, how, did <laughs> how did this happen? So after, the first night after I did my show, right? So, I, you know, first time I did my show, right? Barely got through it because, you know, all the nerves and all this other stuff. I close out, right? And I, I go to the net, the internet network that I'm on, right? Go to listen to the next show and you're on it. Okay. And I listen to you talk and how smooth you are and all this other stuff. And I go, I'm in, no, this is just the wrong thing. I'm just foolish. <laughs> right. Like, you know, all these, all, you know, like I just really, you know, mumbled and br- 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 run through the show. And then I hear this guy and I'm like, there's not a shot in the world. 
Like, what am I doing? This is the worst idea I've ever had. No, right? it worked out well for you, man. Listen, you know, if, it's funny. We've now been able to replace our first couple of seasons. So people that go to Darkness Radio and we're on all the different podcasting platforms, we've now got episodes from 2006 and 2007. And it's funny because you can hear me struggling. I'd been out of radio since 1990. So I'd been out of radio for, what, 16 years. And I'm very you know, Tom Brokaw, and I'm, so tell me, Jim, exactly how long did you live in the haunted house? And there was like no day of personality behind it. I just, I just asked the questions on the sheet in front of me. I, you know, I tried to build off of that a little bit, but I, you could hear how uncomfortable I was in the first season. And then like Tim says, somewhere around August, uh, September of 2006, all of a sudden I started to become Dave and, and let me out of the bag and realized I didn't have to follow these constraints. And uh, we started having a lot more fun doing the show. So much fun that we're 15 years in and I plan on doing it till I'm 75. So I got a lot of years left in front of me. <laughs> well, I, I, I asked George Norrie that uh, probably a couple of years ago. Does he have a plan to retire? And I, he says no. And I said, so they're going to be taking the, the microphone out of your cold dead hand. You know, the Charlton, you know, referencing that. And he says, pretty right. much. And yeah. I'm like, well, I mean... I, I've never thought of, I mean, I guess I'm a little bit younger. I guess I don't have to worry about that yet. <laughs> yeah, don't, uh, you know, don't, I don't look toward the end. I just keep moving for today because all we have is today. So let's enjoy it and make the best of it. And that's, that's what we keep doing. Now, not to get too gritty because I know there's contracts and all these other things involved, but the change from podcast one to the to Stitcher was, was that you? Was that them? How did that all happen? Because that, it fascinates me, but like I said, I don't want to get too gritty into it. Uh, no, it was us. We just felt that we wanted to make a move. Um, and and Midroll had a better, you know, Midroll Stitcher had a better program. They were available on more sites because for the longest time, Podcast One, you know, you could only get it on iTunes and Podcast One. So all of these listeners who like to listen to us on different platforms like Podbean and Stitcher and all of these other locations, when we weren't available, they didn't follow us because you know, you get used to your podcast tool and you only listen to that one. So we've noticed by going back, we found all these people that are like, oh my God, you guys are still alive. I, I thought <laughs> you died. You were there one day and then gone the next. So we've, we've built up a lot more people and we're constantly expanding our audience base because of that. Yeah. That's the fine line, right? Like uh, I know there's the Joe Rogan thing and I, I often wonder, I mean, $200 million is $200 million. Don't get me wrong. If that's a good move for him, but I guess time will tell on that one. Well, yeah, it's good. Good for him. Look at the money he's making. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I can't begrudge him the money. I just worry, you know, wonder how that's going to look in five years. I, you know, it didn't seem to deter uh, Howard Stern, right? I mean, he was the first one big, pulling down Crazy Bank by jumping <laughs> over to Sirius XM, and uh, you know, if if that works for Rogan, great. I hope to one day have that problem. Right? Don't we all hope to have that problem someday? <laughs> so, okay, so that's that's the paranormal end of this. How did you get into the true crime stuff? I mean, obviously, I'm going to assume there was an interest, but an interest to take it, I mean, that's beyond taking it as well, an interest. We, so, you know, on our show, we would occasionally run into some of these weird stories where, you know, there were crimes that were committed that uh, people put on their belief on werewolves or witches or Ouija boards or, or ghosts or or vampires. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? So we would find a couple of these stories and we'd notice this crazy uptick of, you know, like an additional 20,000 downloads of that episode that we we're like, where did those 20,000 people come from? And the next episode would be paranormal and it would drop 15,000. You know, we'd lose that. <laughs> we'd lose 15,000 of those new 20,000. And then, Two, three weeks later, we might do another true crime and brrr, up 25,000. And you're like, well, this is weird. Because I remember Tim, you know, I, I always believe we've got to keep adjusting. And Tim uh, is a lot more, you can't shuffle things around. People don't like change. And I said, I understand that, but we're not really changing. We're, we're adding this dynamic because truthfully, it started to become a raging pain in the butt when we were doing five nights a week of coming up with paranormal guests, five <laughs> nights a week that were compelling. So 
and especially for a three-hour show, five nights a week, 15 hours. So I said, why don't we make one-night news where we talk about supernatural news from around the world? We'll have a couple of correspondents who can join us, and we'll do movie reviews and book reviews and and just be a different style vibe that night. And then, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll do interviews. And then on Fridays, we'll do – or on Tuesdays, we can kind of start to focus on true crime. And he was a little reticent, but – he had seen that we had done something that he didn't expect with the popularity of darkness radio at first and uh true crime tuesday started taking off and like i said we started seeing a a totally different crowd of people we had a lot of our darkness radio listeners who would tune in but they didn't like the the dark aspect of true crime but then there were all these true crime people and we really were kind of at the forefront of all the true crime podcasts you know so it was nice to know we were really out there at the beginning with jim harold uh and uh ghostly talk for paranormal really that was all that was really out there at that time um and night watch i think with todd sheets when we started in 2006 and then we've hung in and and i think jim and i are really the only two left from that original you know wall of sound of, of paranormal <laughs> and jim was doing true crime too and you know it just it seemed to fit and we have a good audience as a matter of fact if we um would skip we'd have a huge outrage people were like why didn't you do true crime this tuesday i'm like well we had another great paranormal guest they're like put them on next week get us the true crime <laughs> and i was always fascinated with it because uh sadly my life was touched by true crime um i lost uh she wasn't my girlfriend at the time but she had been my my first girlfriend in high school so my first real girlfriend and uh, we ended up connecting again in 87 uh, when my girlfriend was expecting our first child and she was expecting her first son. And I stepped in and tried to help her. Uh, she was having a rough time of it financially and everything. So we helped kind of get her so she wasn't sleeping on the floor, not floor nine months pregnant and, you know, just tried to help her out. And we became close as friends again. And... um we were close for a number of years and then I went off into my world to go have a life and we kept in touch from time to time. And, and then she was brutally murdered. Um, and her unborn baby at the time was stolen from her. Uh, and it was just a horrible story. And, and that really kind of kicked my true crime fascination through the roof because I just wanted to know it's, it was scary to me that one person is capable of murder and just being that cold and calculating. I, you know, I could understand the heat of passion, of anger at the moment of you guys getting into a fight and maybe you accidentally murder somebody. I, I guess I could understand that, but I could never understand, oh, that Jim Mallard. Oh, I'm, I'm going to set this up. I'm going to poison his tea slowly over the next six months. And, you know, I mean, that kind of cold, calculative uh, attitude was beyond me. And then to realize that people came together. And that sometimes it was more than one knucklehead working together to do these murders. And in the case of, of the death of my friend, Deb, it looks like it was three, possibly four people, maybe even five, totally in on the conspiratorial angle of murdering my friend to steal her baby. And I wanted to try to understand why. Why do people act this way? And I also wanted to try to do a show where we definitely talked about the, the victims and gave voice and face and acknowledgement of who these people were because it's a shame to me that she just became welfare mom was murdered and her baby stolen and the the stars of this story became these three animals that murdered her and and people were taking shots at my friend and oh welfare mom what'd you expect i'm like good god who what did you expect i didn't expect her to get murdered because you're in welfare shouldn't get you murdered right that's just a byproduct. She was in a in a bad relationship in a bad area with bad people, and you can't judge her harshly for that because that was what was afforded to her at the time. So I wanted to do a show where we talk about these victims and give you their story, so you remember Deborah Evans, or you remember the murder victims in X Y Z, or this or that. And sometimes you got to talk about the murderer, you know, Ted Bundy. How do you not talk about how freaky the guy was and the fact? court his own attorneys and psychiatrists would smell the sulfur smell coming from him when he would get upset and sometimes his his blue eyes would turn black that's the law his attorneys and doctors talking about that that's creepy that's weird and those elements just seem to play well with our with our paranormal audience 
So you're going to have to forgive me because you're you're doing the true crime. Is that all still in the same feed or are they different shows that you have to pick up on? Well, we're all on Stitcher. Um, it's it's under uh, the Stitcher Premium for True Crime Tuesday. Uh, but here's a good deal. For years, we've been doing True Crime Tuesday as a standalone show over on, on Patreon. So you paid five bucks a month. You got all of our episodes. Now you spend four or five bucks a month through um, Stitcher Premium. And it gets you access to True Crime Tuesday with no commercials, all of Darkness Radio with no commercials, and every other show on Stitcher with no commercials. So your $5 a month doesn't get you one show. It gets you every show ad-free on their Stitcher Premium app. So it's a hell of a deal. And if you have listeners that want to do that, they can sign up and use code word Darkness Radio, and they'll get deep discounts uh, to do this for a year-long subscription. They could pay 30 40 bucks for a year-long subscription and get all of that content um, commercial free. So it's kind of a cool little deal. But uh, so True Crime Tuesday is under that umbrella. But then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have free shows of Darkness Radio that you can tune into on Stitcher. Um, and they have ads embedded in them. If you want the, uh, the episodes without the ads, if you're a premium Stitcher uh, subscriber, you'll get those as well. And usually we do Wednesday and Thursdays for uh, Darkness Radio, the paranormal. Friday, um, while the Holzer Files are on, we're doing that live stream Thursday night after the Holzer Files ends where I talk to a few guests. We take the audio from that and make it available as a special bonus episode of Darkness Radio on Fridays. So we are always trying to give the audience a little bit more than they're expecting. So speaking of the audience, I, I, now... You See, you were worried I wouldn't be able to fill a whole hour. No, I, I was, not, I was worried that we weren't going to get everything <laughs> in in the hour, and I've still got a bunch that I want to... Well, we'll get there, though. Um, I'm going to just ask you point blank. Do you miss doing the show five nights a week? Uh, I miss live radio. I miss the element of live and taking live phone calls. I miss music. You know, um, it, it sounds strange, but I miss being able to play some cool eighties music or, or thematic music, uh, on the episodes, but I, I can live without it as well. Um, there's a certain freedom to doing podcasts that you can't do on, on live radio. And then there are elements you give up. And, uh, you know, here's here's the sad truth of this. Uh, we did our radio show for um, a major network, iHeartRadio, for eight years. We were consistently in the top downloaded shows, their, their podcasts. So we'd be live on the air and then it would go in podcast form. We were consistently in like the top top five or 10 downloaded podcasts nationwide. Our station, you know, we had Dr. Laura or somebody before, Laura Ingram before us and a couple other shows. We were outperforming those shows and other talk stations with our paranormal show. So we were doing great, and but we made $10.65 an hour for three hours a night. So I was making, you know, roughly 30. My kids could make more working at Taco Bell than I was making doing radio five nights a week. So um, I don't miss the not getting paid for the hard work and effort that we put into it. Yeah, that's that's troubling, when you, especially when you figure out what some of those people make an hour. Right. Yeah, because I can <laughs> work out. You know, and now we do, um, you know, two, three shows a week and we're making, you know, well, you know, sometimes almost two to three times what we were making, uh, well, in a lot of cases, four times what we were making, uh, doing it five nights a week, three hours a night, plus preparation time and everything. So it, it just, you know, just not there for you. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to make it work. And, you know, I want to put the time into it and not have it just be split where I'm doing a day job and then trying to do the radio show because I don't think you get a full, uh, you know, in my opinion, I don't think I could commit to two of those things at once. So to try to give the best, I just, um, you know, to, I try to give the best by just being focused on that episode. So I, I've got to ask, you know, I promise not to ask you the, who was your favorite guest question, but I'm going to, I'm going to double down and ask an even def, more difficult. Well, question. I'm going to, I'm going to answer for you. Oh. Uh, I've had so many, but it was, you know, it was a real trip was talking to Dan Aykroyd and his dad, Peter Aykroyd. When Peter wrote a book about the paranormal, to have Dan Aykroyd and his dad on our show talking about their three generations of Aykroyds that were ghost hunters and investigators and paranormal enthusiasts, that was one of the highlights for me. But I've spoken to so many amazing people, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. You know, the queen of the night, uh, um, you know, even George Norrie was on the show. And then I 
I got to be a fill-in host on Coast to Coast AM for five years. And, um, you know, there's been so many great opportunities afforded to me. But I would say Dan Aykroyd and Peter Aykroyd, uh, just because of the legacy of Dan Aykroyd and all that he's put into the his true love of the paranormal field – but you know, there's no one specific guest that's been greater than others. I, I've got, I had a couple of guests I can't stand, and I, I will never speak to again. We'll, uh, get, the, we'll I, get those here in forty, or let's see, it's forty no, after hours. So I'll get those in twenty-five minutes. So I don't have to talk to them. No, anymore. I won't even mention that because I don't <laughs> want to do that service to them. But if you've listened no, to the episode, I'm, I'm talking off the air. Don't worry, calm down. <laughs> Ed Azoski. There you go. That's the big one. I'll, I'll throw that out there. You guys uh, find the Darkness Radio Ed Azoski episode. You'll enjoy yourselves. You get a good laugh and understand why we'll never have him on the show again. No, but my 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 double down question was: Do you prefer TV or radio? Um, well, it's too. I prefer radio. I I am a very shy person by nature. Um. This is feels very intimate to me. To me, it's two guys talking. I try to put out of my head that there's thousands of people listening. And when I do Darkness Radio, it's Tim and I, two buddies, talking about stuff that we enjoy talking about and laughing together and making each other think or challenging each other. And it just so happens that there's, uh, you know, 40,000, 50,000 people tapping our lines listening to our, our conversation. Um, TV makes me feel a lot more mindful. You know, I, oh, geez, look how fat I look in that scene. Oh, God, why didn't I shave my head in that episode? Oh, God, you know, oh, why, why do I look so puffy there? Why do I look so old? Why? It's a lot more abusive uh, psychologically <laughs> to me to do TV. And I, I, I've guested on Ghost Adventures, I think, between their live shows and the episodes I've appeared on. I think I've been on like 10 or 11 episodes of Ghost Adventures. I've been on Paranormal State. I did uh, Haunted Hospitals. Um, so I've popped up on different programs throughout history. Plus, I did Paranormal Challenge, that mi uh, miniseries. Um, and I've turned down a lot of opportunities to be an investigator on other shows. Um, but when I heard the opportunity of getting to reopen Hans Holzer's case files, helping to shine a spotlight on this man who I feel was a forgotten forefather. Um, you know, still a lot of people knew him, but there are generations that don't have a clue who he is. They know who Jason, Grant, Zach, Nick, Eric, Billy, you know, all of those people are. But they have no clue who, you know, D. Scott Rogo or Dr. William Roll or even Dr. You know, Professor Lloyd Auerbach uh, Hans Holzer, even Ed and Lorraine Warren weren't getting their due for a long time. So I'm glad to be a part of this and representing it that way. So it's been a real privilege. So I enjoy that aspect of it. And, but I don't, you know, the reason I got the job is because I do a radio show and because I'm good at asking questions and getting people to go along on the ride with me. And I get people that, you know, experiencers and historians to rethink what they're talking about. And sometimes it gives us surprising results. So since Dave brought it up and rubbed some salt in the wound, I'm going to bring it up because I used to, back way back when, the early days of the show, I was disappointed that the Paranormal Challenge wasn't a bracket-based show where you took a bunch of teams and then you they battled each other and then went to the next place and then we then, then had a winner. So, you know. I, that would have been great, and I think that's what we were we were hoping for is to start pitting you know Battle of the Champions against each other for season two. But this is what I will say: it was a fun show. It got great ratings people loved it but it was a really expensive reality show because we had like two or three truckloads of equipment because we had to wire up entire places and we didn't have one team investigating we had two teams investigating plus all of us in the nerve center so they had to have like three independent groups filming so it's triple what we do on holzer files maybe even quadruple what we do on holzer files um so it just, you know, financially for reality TV, that didn't make a lot of sense. So that's kind of why they, they took it apart. Well, I, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying I, that's, that was my axe to grin. I wanted, I wanted a clear winner, like, just because. Yeah, just because well, the, the audience, <laughs> they got to watch me oh, no. on TV. <laughs> the audience doesn't matter, Dave. Forget those people. <laughs> you should know better than that by now. I know. Uh, okay, let's get that up here. I had to... Uh, what was your first paranormal experience? My first paranormal experience that I remember or the first one that uh, my family tells me about? Let's go with the one you remember. Uh, first one I think I really remember vividly. I mean, I had weird stuff happening in my house, but 
the one that really stands out to me was I was uh, I was walking uh, to my friend's house, and it was right around Halloween, and uh, I was walking past this little ranch house uh, in Medina, Illinois, and you know it was back in the late seventies. Um, when we didn't have 22,000 channels to watch and we didn't have cell phones to connect us and, you know, get fascinated with. So we used to look out our windows at neighbors and watch things. And as I was walking past his house, I noticed there was a man inside his house at his picture window looking out. And then there was a sidewalk in front of the picture window and a row of hedges in front of the sidewalk. And I kept walking and I turned back around and now the guy was outside standing in front of the hedges. So somehow he phased through a window over a sidewalk and in front of bushes and is standing perfectly still without making a noise. And then I, I took a few more steps. I'm like, wait a minute, was he inside all the time or outside? And I just, my eyes. And so I turned back around. Now he's in the middle of the yard standing there staring at me. And, and my heart rate started to go up and I started feeling really uneasy and frightened now there was nothing traumatic about this he wasn't like holding a flaming head in one hand and cackling at me he just moved in a very weird way and when i turned back around he's like six feet away from me on the corner of his property and then i took off like a bat out of hell and i would go out of my way to avoid walking past that house up until today you know so 50 uh 40 Five years later, I still have a hard time walking past that house. It just unnerves me. But again, there's nothing specific that was so chilling. It was just, I think that was the first ghost I was really aware of. Holy crap. And then I found out that uh, the father had died a few years earlier in front of that picture window on Christmas. So he had had a massive heart attack, sadly. And I think it was just him just checking the neighborhood. Makes sense. So I'm going to reword this question because I think... I'm going to ask it backwards compared to how okay. they ask it. It's multi-part, so um, bear with me. Uh, do you do anything to protect yourself before you go to an investigation, and have you had anything attach yourself attach itself to you after an investigation? I'm a man with eight children. I don't know much about protection. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I always do a prayer of protection uh, around myself before going into an investigation to keep myself clear of anything meaning to do me harm. It can let itself be known to me. It can manifest, but it cannot harm me. And uh, I do a prayer after. And they don't show this on TV because, in, in all honesty, people get so easily offended by any kind of religious invocation. Um, but at every location, I just do a prayer. I, I say, I, you know, I just invite the Lord in uh, and the Holy Spirit to wash through these rooms in the blood of Jesus Christ and help any spirits that are lost or confused to find their way home and any spirits that wish to remain to do so. I also ask that you clear me, my mind, body, and soul of any attachments or any spirits, and I pray this in your name, amen. And that's what I do at every location to try to help clear the location and clear myself. I don't know if it works. Uh, you know, I've had some weird experiences from time to time that seem to have followed me home, but I don't know if it's truly an attachment or is it spirits know I'm looking, so they're, you know, there's a light on that guy. He, he, he talks to us. Let's go ring his bell so it's hard to say but um you know we've had a few weird experiences through the years i can't deny uh but i can't again i can't it's not like i can look see the ghost and say oh hey mr belvoir from the winery what are you doing here right i, I have no clue where these spirits came from or what they are would it be a lot easier if you could though oh man that'd make life a hell of a lot easier <laughs> oh boy people would still doubt us though yeah no doubt <laughs> <laughs> So, what, what's next for Dave Schrader? Boy, that's like the worst question I could ask you. Two words. Right. What's I next? I don't know. I, you know, I'm I'm content doing a radio show, a TV show. I have an amazing wife, fantastic children, a new grandbaby. I've got five grandkids, Jim. Jeez, I've got Dave. a new grandbaby boy who's living with me, and I just want to get through this COVID nonsense. And I want to I want to be safe and happy and healthy and be that way with my family and hopefully uh, we'll all get through this and see the sunlight together and get back to a normal world. That's, that's really all I could hope for. So it, it's been a while since I've done this with a guest, but I, uh -huh. I want to, I want to ask you two very different questions. So we're going to start okay. with the first one and then Sounds good. They're, they're kind of the same question, but obviously they're different topics for the paranormal people out there. Um, some sage words, some wisdom, however you, you know what I'm saying? What would be your message to them if they're listening and are a paranormal investigator or out there doing some of this stuff? Hey, listen, we're all fascinated by what comes next. Just be careful and 
and always check the intent of why you do things. If you're going out to just scare yourself, save it and go to haunted houses at Halloween. Uh, go on spooky roller coasters. Do that kind of stuff to get the thrill because it is a sight unseen kind of environment. And if you don't take care of yourself and you, you're not cautious, it can affect you and people around you. So I'm always, you know, I just, uh, that's my big thing. It's just be cautious. I think intention is the most important thing in everything we do. I set an intention as a child that I wanted to do radio. I do radio. I, you know, set an intention that I wanted to be a popular radio show talking about the paranormal. And I wanted to kind of be an opening act to coast to coast, even though we were on two totally different networks. And I made that happen. I, you know, when we switched over to the bigger network and I told them, you need to bring coast to coast over here. It's, it's a premier product and, uh, you know, it should be on your station. They did it. And I got to open for coast to coast. And, you know, I wanted to work on coast to coast and I got asked to be a host on coast to coast. And then I got to, you know, I was the only, I'm the only person that can say I got to host Art Bell's first show, coast to coast and his final show midnight in the desert, because I took over a midnight in the desert for two years before I left to, to focus on my show and the, and the TV show. So, uh, I was doing live radio again, all the way up until January, February of this year, doing it five nights a week on, on, uh, you know, oh, midnight yeah. But, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, so so that was it. I just uh it's just been those little steps and trying to keep things um even. So I but you set the intent. And look, you know, I I was friends with my wife for 6 years before we started dating. And when I saw a moment of weakness, <laughs> I exploited the hell out of it. No, when I when I I just thought, boy, she is the kind of woman I I I could see myself spending my life with. And on, on Halloween, um, you know, uh, four years ago, we were exchanging messages and I said, boy, if you are ever single, I'm calling dibs. And she said, well, you know, I'm considering separating because things have not been the way I would like them to be. And I think both my husband and I deserve to find somebody that makes us happier. And I said, well, let me know. And, uh, you know, February rolled around. We went on our first date and, and it was, magic and we uh got engaged at july we were married by november and we just celebrated our third year together as a married couple but it was an intention i put out there some would call it a magic spell you know but uh i i think it's intention is all about what we do in the world and what we put out there and our expectations back and i think that's why i continue to be successful and get to do the things i love to do so before i ask this next part of this loaded question Immediately following this program, I'm going to uh, go over to the bedroom where my laptop computer is, and I'm mm -hmm. going to send you a screenshot of the back of it. Okay. Because it says set the intention on it. That's right. That's the key element to success in every aspect of your life. Which, so when you're sitting here saying that, I don't want to say it's confirmation, obviously, because I've had that confirmation from other people, and, you know, like, but again, here we are again, confirmation, you know, as right. things build. So the other, the other part of this loaded question is more more sort of towards the podcaster because I'm looking at my chat room and I have a bunch of paranormal podcasters in there right now and even I you know as I I look at other shows and know that I'm you know ten years into this they're younger on their adventure but there's always room for growth and and having you here makes me want to ask this question sure what what as advice for people doing radio podcasting whatever this new media turns into i think i think it's going to get another term eventually it's just going to become something better but that's here or there that's my opinion what do you, what do you think give me some give me some of those sage words for this business you know be true to yourself uh enjoy what you do i learned early on that you know i i let my guests shine as much as i can but i'll challenge them i try to do it with respect and humor and love and uh, I think that's why I've been successful getting answers. And, and I, I live for the, the comment, you know what? Nobody's ever asked me that before. Wow, that's an excellent question. I've, I've never thought of that before. So I love, those are the moments I live and breathe for. So live for the moment, be in the moment with these guests. Be in the moment and cognizant of the conversation you're having. Because for either one of you, it could be the last conversation you'll ever have. So make it count. And I think that's 
again, part of the success. There are times we wander and our minds wander when we're doing these shows or, you know, uh, 15 years in, am I always hyper-focused? No, but when I remember that, I, I try to key back in and really enjoy those those times. And I can tell because then all of a sudden I'll get an explosion of emails. Man, that was your best show, you know? And I'm like, great, because again, I was keyed into that moment. And then, you know, you, you get back into that swing of, of remembering to be there. And that's what I try to do when I'm ghost hunting. You'll see I don't always use a lot of equipment because I want to be in the moment. I don't need to convince you or anybody else of what's out there. I just want to see it for myself. And if you're along for the ride and you get to see it as well, awesome. And if you don't, I don't care because I'm I'm the one I have to answer to at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's that's the key. And I, I appreciate that immensely because, like you, I had those rigid moments and I sat there and prepared all the questions, Dave, and, uh, you know, you could have told me that you walked on the moon, right? And I would have been like, so tell me about the Holzer files. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't, uh, you miss that chance. And you're like, wait a minute, you walked on the moon. When did this happen? Right. And, you know, we all have those little windows that, that slip past us. But, uh, you know, being cognizant of them and maybe even trying to revisit those later on in the conversation, as long as you're aware, that's, that's what really counts. And, you know, if you're either ripening on the vine or you're dying. So I continue to just try to ripen. I just want to, you know, I, I want to learn. I want to have fun. And I want to uh, educate and entertain people. And you forget sometimes, like I said, we do this show where it's two buddies talking about something that fascinates us with a guest or just between each other. And, and, I, I and then I get emails from people from around the world telling me, you know, in the darkest hours of my life, you guys made me laugh. You have no idea how important your show is to me. Or in your darkest hour, in my darkest hour, you had a guest on that spoke to my situation and made me feel like I want to live again, or it made me, it made me happy. Man, that's it. That's what it's all about. I will, I will say this. I did contact him a couple of days ago, asked him for a story or something I should mention to you, and he did not sell you down the creek. Who's that, Tim? Yeah, I had mentioned. I told Tim that. <laughs> And I told Tim that he's going to be a guest on this program because he's been, you know, it's scary. He's been requested on this program. So, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, I must be doing something right. So we'll be getting him on soon. So sure. be looking forward to that message from, from me to you about him. So if you got any good stories. <laughs> always. Uh, always. Uh, where can, speaking of sending you a message, where can people find you and all, you know, give me that list of things so people know where to find you. Darknessradio.com. That's where you can find everything about us. All of our social media there, uh, links to our YouTube page is there, uh, info on how to find our show is there. Um, and here, you can make it so easy. We are on every platform. So whatever smart device you use, just ask it. Alexa, play the newest edition of Darkness Radio Podcast, and it'll fire off for you. Or Echo or Google or whatever you need to ask. Echo, turn off. She was listening to me, Jim. She was <laughs> I was going to say, now no, I hear in the background the show started. No. <laughs> right. So you, you just ask the smart device. It'll turn on for you. You can also get the free Darkness Radio app in your app store and uh, take us along with you on the road. So those are the best ways to find us. And then remember, Holzer Files every Thursday night. We've got uh, four episodes in the bank. We've got, uh, what, nine more episodes to go this season. And right after it airs on Travel Channel, you can go over to my YouTube channel or uh, my Facebook page and watch along as I do Holzer's Ghosts After Show, where we talk about the program you just watched, and we have a good time together. So that's that's the best way to do it. So we've got a minute and a half left. Or, well, actually... 30 seconds left. Oh, Dave. Okay. I got outro music now. Oh, Dave, 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, thanks for having me on. I know you've been a, a great supporter and friend through the years, and I'm glad that we were finally able to connect and, and get together. So thank you for doing the work that you do and entertaining people and inviting me to be a part of your world. I was going to say, thank you for coming on, and um, we have to do it again. I said it, ten years. so ha-ha. I was going to say, we have to do it again before <laughs> 10 years passes. So <laughs> It sounds good, man. Anytime, just let me know. Sounds good, Dave. Have a good evening. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mount Report. Stay tuned for details on saving money at the Duck Pond Shop. I hope you enjoyed this report. Please subscribe so that you can join us again. And if you appreciate the show, leave us some stars or a review. For more notes from this show or other great shows, check out Mallard.com. A reminder, the views and opinions of the show are those of the host and guests and do not represent any sponsors, affiliates, or any other partners of the Mallory Report.
Now for your money-saving tip. Promo code Mallard at checkout of DuckPondShop.com where you can get your t-shirt, coffee mug, and other great products. That's promo code Mallard at checkout DuckPondShop.com Until next week, stay safe and keep quacking. Grown up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) I don't know.